Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 welcome back to, I guess I should say, a special edition of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. We actually tried this show yesterday, which is my normal day, and for some odd reason, I had a, pl- a power glitch and uh, had to shut the show down. And Raymond Francis, who is my guest tonight for Never Fear Cancer, again, so graciously agreed to come back and do the show tonight, just simply because we had a little bit of a mishap, but sometimes... You can't control that. We live in South Florida, and for those of you who are not in the South Florida area, you may not know that one one minute it could be raining, and then one minute it could be uh, shining. It's just that quick. One minute it could be perfectly clear outside, and then you go outside and it's lightning. And last night I think we had some some storms in the area, and it just knocked the power out for um, like a second or so, but it was enough to throw everything offline. And by the time that I thought that I could get everything back off online. It was too much time to pass, and I had actually lost a lot of what I would call the energy that Raymond and I were were sharing over the podcast. So I decided to reschedule it and do it again today. So for those of you who may have been listening last night live, um, just know that we are going to do the show again, and I wanted to give you a quick reminder of the show that I did on Monday, which was Labor Day with Sandor Katz called Wild Fermentation. If you're someone who is looking to improve your digestion or just looking to improve your overall health, you might want to start looking into fermented foods. I myself um, have been having a little bit of issues with with some um, some digestion and want to improve my digestion. So this is something I'm going to start throwing in to my mix, so to speak. Overall, I figure that I'm a pretty healthy guy, but again, Every now and then, something raises its head, and I really want to make my digestion as smooth as possible. So, again, if you are someone out there who is looking to incorporate the whole spectrum, a lot of different things into your diet, I would recommend fermented foods. And I would also recommend to go and listen to the episode with Sandora Katz called Wild Fermentation. So, tonight, we are going to do this again. We started out last night. We got into the flow, and like I said, something happened, the power and glitch, and I don't want to jinx myself, so let me quit talking about that. But we have this gentleman back again. He's very astute, very well-spoken. I met Raymond in person, and he's one of the people that I look up to. I don't look up to a lot of people because I'm really tall, but I look up to this gentleman and his knowledge and just where he came from, from actually bringing himself back from really – a lot of sickness to where he is today. So Raymond Francis, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? Hey, just fabulous. Thank you very much again for the invitation. And uh, it's really bad when it didn't work out <laughs> last night, but here we are and we're going to make the best of it. So Yeah, it seems like it's deja vu. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I always ask all of my guests. And again, we kind of did this last night, but we'll, we'll do it again. 
just share your story with us because, again, it's a phenomenal story, and I want everyone to hear this about where you were at one point and where you are now because, again, it's one of those stories that I, I never can get enough of. Well, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep it short because it's a long story, but basically uh, I took sick. I, I started um, having less energy. Uh, went to the doctor, complained uh, that I didn't have as much energy, and the doctor did thousands of dollars worth of testing and came back and said I was in perfect health, uh, which to me, uh, you know, I, 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 my, my, my next question to the doctor was, well, if I'm in perfect health, how come I feel this way? And, and he said, you're getting older. And I said, Doc, I've never felt this way before in my life. He said, you've never been this old before. And so here's the same story. Uh, People have all kinds of problems, and the doctor tells you that it's your genes or because you're getting older, which is just total nonsense, total nonsense. Um, It has, um, you know, fatigue is the number one complaint made to doctors. Uh, And let me tell you something. If you don't have the energy you used to have, if you don't have boundless energy, you are sick. You are very sick. And yet the doctor didn't know this. Um, so this is the level of ignorance that we teach in our medical schools. This man was a medical school professor. He was a Harvard medical school professor. And he didn't know that if you don't have a lot of energy, it's because you're very sick. He just said, oh, it's because you're getting older. Because all of his tests showed I was in good health. It's just they don't know how to test for these things. I mean, the tests they do are just uh, primitive. So um, I, I went away thinking, oh, boy, getting old is really bad. You know? <laughs> and a couple mm-hmm. of years passed, and, and I was feeling even worse, uh, less energy, uh, a lot of allergies. Um, so I went to an allergist. The allergist gave me a, a test he should not have given me, and I suffered a catastrophic reaction to the test, got very, very, very sick, Uh, went to 36 top specialists. Not one of them could help me. And the last one finally said, oh, boy, I can help you, and he gave me a drug. The drug poisoned my liver, and I came within inches of death from liver failure. Uh, My death was a medical certainty. And at the last moment, I used my knowledge of biochemistry to save my life. And then it took me two years of learning and hard work to restore my health to where I could function normally again. So this was an odyssey, and, and it ended up eventually in my just deciding that I was going to spend the rest of my life improving health. And that's what I've been doing now since 1991, um, improving the health of other people. Uh, and I've learned some phenomenal things. I've written five cutting-edge books on health, uh, and, um, and people who read them cure all kinds of incurable diseases. Uh, I just had an experience where people came up to me. One man came up and said he had terminal melanoma, 26 rapidly growing lesions. He bought my book on cancer, went home, cured his cancer. He's perfectly fine. Another woman came up to me, and she, and, and she said, look, 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 look at my hands. She said, I have rheumatoid arthritis, I was crippled, and you cured me. Well, I didn't cure anybody. All they did was read my books, and my books 
tell you what disease is, how to prevent disease, and how to get rid of disease. And that's specifically my cancer book, uh, does miracles all over the world. People with cancer buy it. Uh, they go home and they cure their cancer uh, because it's so simple to do. And uh, it's just mm-hmm. that our doctors don't do it uh, because there's no money in curing cancer. The money is in treating cancer. So uh, you keep coming back for more surgery, more chemotherapy, more radiation, and that's where the money is. Um, unfortunately, the disease industry is completely dependent on millions of people getting sick, very importantly, staying sick, because that's where the money is. There's no money in healthy people. There's no money in dead people. Uh, the money's in sick people. So that's what, that's what the disease industry does. It, it keeps you sick. And, and that's crazy, because it's, it's going to bankrupt us. We're going bankrupt trying to pay for it. So you don't have to be that way. We can teach almost anybody how to get well, how to stay well, how to never be sick again. Yeah. Um, well-known comedian Chris Rock, and, and sometimes you know you watch comedians and you're laughing, but it makes a whole lot of sense. But I remember a quote from Chris Rock. He said, there's no money in the cure. The money's in the medicine. And uh, it's, it's certainly true. The money is in the medicine. If you can keep people coming back to the medicine, then... At some point, you know, you're going to make, make a lot of money. And coming from the pharmaceutical exactly. industry, coming from that, that other side, you know, I know how it is and, you know, where the money is, is invested in that. Um, going back, and you and I talked about this last night before we got kind of cut off, and I wanted to kind of relate this to the audience again about talking about fatigue because this came up with you. This has come up several times in other interviews that I've done where people are constantly coming into the doctor and the number one complaint is fatigue. How serious should we take fatigue? Is that a clear warning sign for us? Very, you should take it very seriously. And let me tell you something. If there's, if there's one measure of disease, uh, fatigue is a measure of disease. Uh, How much energy you can make is a measure of how healthy you are. And all of us run on energy. Everything runs on energy. The more energy you have, the healthier you are. The less energy, the sicker you are. And finally, when you have no energy, you're dead. <laughs> so uh, energy is everything. And, uh, and fatigue is now epidemic, epidemic. Because as you begin to get sick, as your biochemistry begins to malfunction, one of the first things that happens is your ability to produce energy compounds is is compromised and diminished. Uh, and so um, and, uh, you know, lack of energy is one of the first symptoms of serious disease. Uh, and as long as you maintain that, you're, you're on your way to something far, far more serious. You're on your way to cancer, for example. Um, cancer is a low-energy disease. It's a low-voltage disease. And and, and your voltage, you know, you're a battery-operated device. We're all like a, we're, we're like an iPad. We're a battery-operated device, electronic device. And, uh, and the strength of your batteries is extremely important. Uh, so as your batteries run down, um, you get less and less well. And, uh, and, and the, 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 as the batteries run down, your voltage goes down. And so your energy goes down. Uh, you you need to keep your voltage high, 
and and we're not doing that. The, everything we do now conspires against that. The toxins in our environment, the, the poor diets, all conspire against producing energy. And uh, so fatigue is now the, the number one uh, complaint. So that take it very seriously. Uh, and your doctor will not take it seriously, but you must take it seriously um and uh, you know i told my doctor i didn't have any energy and the doctor said oh you're getting older well that's nonsense uh, i'm now much older than i used to be you know i almost died when i first complained of not having energy i was 46 years old now i'm going to be 80 and i have boundless energy so energy has nothing to do with being old it has everything to do with being sick yeah what I understand, and um, I had a mother who uh, passed away from breast cancer, and um, that kind of got me on this whole journey of wanting to interview people like you, but more importantly, get the information out there for those people who want to attain this information and live a healthy life. But in my study and research of cancer, I came upon something that told me that cancer just didn't happen. It's actually a process. And in your book, you talk about cancer being a process. Explain that a little bit. Well, cancer is, is a biological process, and, and I love to give an analogy to help people understand it. Uh, and the analogy I give is, uh, you know, um, uh, an automobile manufacturing plant where, so you come in in the morning, you turn on all the switches, you turn the production line on, and uh, uh, and the chassis comes along, and then the, the the workers start putting the engine into the chassis, and the transmission, and the uh, the the wheels, and and the fenders, and the seats. You know, you and out the other line, uh, the other end of the production line comes a car, and that's the way cancer is. Cancer is a biological process that, when you turn it on, produces a tumor. And uh, and unfortunately, our doctors don't understand this. So what they try to do is to remove the tumor. They think that the tumor is the problem. So they try to surgically remove it. They try to poison it with very deadly chemicals. They try to burn it with radiation. And uh, and then they'll do all these things, and they'll they'll tell you, you know, we we we've we've got it. I mean, you're okay now. You're you know, you can go home. You're fine. We got rid of it. And a year and a half later, you come back, and your body is just filled with cancer. Uh, because the the tumor is just a side effect. The tumor is an effect of the process. Uh, and as long as the process is still on, I mean, you could take that car at the end of the production line and totally destroy it. But guess what? If the production line is still operating, out the other end is going to come another car. So, you know, another tumor is going to come along as long as the production line is still operating. So if you want to win against cancer, A, you have to keep the production line shut off. And B, if you've turned it on, you've got to turn it off. And once you turn it off, you win because uh, any, any tumors that are there will simply disappear and no, no new tumors will come along. Um, so the only way to win is to uh, shut the production line down, keep it down, and uh, uh, and then it won't operate, and 
Uh, and that's how this man, for example, with the 26 rat, the man with the, you know, uh, the melanoma, 26 rapidly growing lesions. The doctors told him he was as good as dead. 26 lesions. All of those 26 lesions disappeared when he shut the production line down. Mm-hmm. So anybody yeah. can do this. Yeah, speaking of shutting it down, there's a natural process in our bodies, and it's called, um, I'm hopefully, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's called apoptosis, I want to say. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So what? That's natural cell death. Yeah, so natural cell death. So even if our bodies encounter this cancer, we have a natural mechanism that kind of says, hey, the cell is abnormal, let's get rid of it. But mm-hmm. what what can hinder that process to where it's actually that cell comes in that's abnormal, but for some odd reason it starts to grow, which is what cancer is. But what hinders that natural process? Well, again, the, 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 there, there are biological switches that control all of these processes. And these biological switches are what we're screwing up. Um, and there are many ways in which we screw them up. And, and one of them is the pH inside your cell. Uh, if you have cancer, the pH inside your cell is too acidic. And when you make it too acidic, you give incorrect signals to these switches. Um, there are nutrients that give signals to these switches. There are toxins that give signals to these switches. Uh, so um, if you've got cancer, you've got to normalize your pH. First and foremost, you have to normalize your pH because you're giving bad signals to these switches. Um, and you've got to get on a good diet so that um, you normalize the chemistry inside the cell, and then you start to give the correct signals to these switches. Uh, and uh, toxins give a lot of wrong signals to the switches. So uh, you've got to get the toxins out of your life. Learn where they are. Stop putting them into your life. Uh, Start getting them out of your life. Uh, Get them out of your body. You've got to learn how to do these things. Um, And when you do that, then you start giving correct signals to the genes and you start uh, turning the right switches on and the right switches off and and then you become cancer-proof. Now, it's very, very difficult to get cancer. Historically, it was an extremely rare disease because it's so difficult to get it. But today, we've created, uh, you know, we're eating a cancer-causing diet. We've created a cancer-causing environment. We live a cancer-causing lifestyle. And basically, we've made it really, really easy to get cancer, which historically was extremely difficult to do. Um, so we have to learn what we've done and begin to compensate for it. We, we, we can't change the world, and we can't all go back to living in caves and, and growing our own food. And uh, you know, We can't do that. It's not going to happen. But by learning what the changes are that we've made and how they're affecting us, we can compensate for them. Um, and that's why I write all of my books. That's why I wrote Never Fear Cancer again, uh, to tell you what cancer is, how cancer is caused, and therefore what you can do to make yourself cancer-proof. And, and anybody can do this. 
Yeah. Do some people, uh, Raymond, have a, I guess I would say a larger threshold. And if they keep doing the same things that they've been doing, is it just a matter of time? Because you seemingly see a lot of people who we would think are healthy people. I believe, I can't remember the cyclist's name, but he had, I believe, testicular cancer. Um, and yep. these people are people who exercise a lot. And you you see people who are what we call healthy people all the time. And But I'm wondering if it's just a matter of having a larger threshold. Well, uh, first of all, what we, we, our concept of health is now so skewed, we don't know what health is. Um, l- fewer than, less than 1% of the American population is healthy today. The rest of us are all in some stage of disease. And because of that, we think we're healthy. So um, uh, our, our definition of, of disease is you're horizontal. You know, you're home in bed, you're sick. <laughs> as long as you're vertical, you're in good health. <laughs> so if you're vertical, you can go to school, you can, you can go to work, um, uh, you're in good health. Well, that's not true. We have a very sick population. Uh, it's getting sicker every year, and the costs are out of control. The costs are threatening to bankrupt the country. Uh, we simply cannot continue to do this. Uh, it's, we've got to start teaching people how not to be sick because it's, uh, the kids are sick. I mean, you look at the uh, – it's just unbelievable. It's hard to find a healthy child today. Very difficult. They've all got something. I wanted to get into some uh, statistics and the statistics were in your book. And I think that, you know, people need to hear this so they can kind of get, just draw their own conclusion. In your book, it says that cancer, when cancer funds are allocated, 3% of those funds are allocated for research. And then 95, 97% are for new ways to diagnose. Expand on that a little bit. Right. Well, uh, you know, Linus Pauling, who was, um, you know, Nobel Prize winner, one of the greatest chemists of the 20th century, um, Pauling once said, "Cancer, most cancer research is a fraud. And uh, they're not looking for how to cure cancer. Uh, they're looking for how to diagnose cancer. Well, if you're diagnosing it, you've already got it, so you're not preventing it. Uh, and it's it's about treatments for cancer, not how to cure cancer, but how to treat cancer. So all the you know, 97% of the research dollars go into how to diagnose cancer and how to treat cancer, but not how to prevent it and not how to cure it. Um, less than 1% goes into anything that's that's really sensible about how to prevent and cure cancer. So I don't give any money to cancer research. You know, all these people, nice people go out on all these marches to raise money for cancer research. Um, Again, Linus Pauling said most cancer research is a fraud, Uh, and I absolutely agree with him because the money is not spent wisely. It's just a jobs program for these researchers to research things that aren't really necessary. I mean, you know, who wants to diagnose cancer? I mean, we we don't want to have cancer, so you don't have to diagnose it. You know, who wants to treat it? We want to cure it. We want to prevent it. We want to cure it. We don't want to treat it. And that's where all the money's going. Yeah. 
let's talk a little bit more in depth about these statistics because this is something that really alarmed me when I started to look more deeper into cancer because I lost my mom to this to this disease. And I don't remember the exact thing, but I remember when I discovered this is that the way that they do cancer survival rates, like if a person lives, I believe, maybe two to three years after they have the initial treatment, it may be even longer than that, then they list that person as a cancer survivor. How can you right. be a survivor when you, at, you, you die at some period of time from the cancer, but they right. still count you as a, well, as a survivor? Well, the thing is that the cancer industry is such an enormous failure, enormous failure, that they have to somehow hide this from the public. So they skew all the statistics. Um, the, the definition of a cure is alive, someone who's alive five years after diagnosis. Well, they've been doing better, and the reason why is that they've been diagnosing cancer earlier. We have new techniques now. They've, they've spent all those research dollars to find new ways to diagnose cancer. So we can now diagnose cancer earlier than we used to diagnose cancer. And because of that, uh, you know, it's, it's five years after diagnosis, we're diagnosing it earlier, and so more people are living the five years. Uh, the problem is if you die five years in one day, you've still been cured. Uh, and so, but the truth is this. You know, President Nixon declared war on cancer back in, I, I think it was, I don't know, 1971, 1972. Uh, we've since then spent, oh, close to a trillion dollars on cancer research. It's enormous, absolutely enormous. The death rate from cancer today is the same as it was back then. There has been no improvement whatsoever. The only improvement has been in, in, in skewing the numbers. Uh, and, and then they'll tell you fewer people are dying of cancer. Well, what they're really dying of is they're dying of their treatment. And I'll give you a specific example. I had a, a dear friend of mine who, um, uh, unfortunately, I didn't know he had cancer, and by the time I knew it, he was dead. Um, he underwent chemotherapy. Um, the chemotherapy uh, does, uh, just destroys your immune system. And so with his immunity down, he got pneumonia, and he died of pneumonia. So his death certificate says he died of pneumonia. Uh, it doesn't say he died of cancer. Uh, and so the, 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 death, the, the statistics are all skewed because the treatments are killing people, and so um, they're not saying these are cancer deaths. Uh, and it was a cancer death. I mean, they, you know, he died because he had cancer and because they, uh, they gave him chemotherapy. So he really died from the chemotherapy. But no, 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 uh, they say he died from pneumonia. So that's what the death certificate says. Uh, so they do all kinds of tricks uh, to obscure the fact that the death rate today is exactly the same as it was back when Nixon declared war on cancer in the early 70s, despite all of the hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars we've spent on cancer research. 
So you can see uh, when Linus Pauling said most cancer research is a fraud, <laughs> you know, when you can spend <laughs> hundreds and hundreds, almost a trillion dollars, and 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 accomplish nothing, that's a fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, I witnessed a lot of this with my mom, and just you talking about chemotherapy. I remember, you know, where my mom started at, and then she took the chemo and where she ended up at. And um, she ended up, she never had a heart problem. She ended up having problems with her heart. And her heart. Mm-hmm. And I remember that she wasn't able to move her hands after the chemo. Yeah. Um, I've seen a number of things. And I'm wondering, just a couple of days ago, I saw something where someone elected not to do chemo. And for some reason, they went into spontaneous remission of, of the cancer. But mm-hmm. if it came down to chemo and just doing nothing, just saying, hey, you know what, I'm not taking any chemotherapy, is that a wise decision to just do nothing? Well, let me tell you, they've actually done studies on that. And the studies show that if you have cancer and you do no treatment whatsoever, you actually, on average, live longer and live a higher quality life than if you do standard treatment. And and these are well-done studies. So the studies show if you do nothing, you live longer and better than if you do treatment. So um, the cancer treatments are the leading cause of cancer death. They're killing people. Uh, chemotherapy doesn't work. Everybody knows chemotherapy doesn't work. I mean, that's just a fact. Uh, and yet they're still doing it. 75% of all cancer patients get chemotherapy. It's outrageous, absolutely outrageous. But the average oncologist earns a third of their income off of chemotherapy. So they're not going to throw away one-third of their income just because it doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's fraudulent. The whole thing is a fraud. Getting into oncologists and this is something that I experienced as myself calling on doctors and this is something that you pointed out in the book and um, when I was in my career way back in like 2002 2003 and calling on doctors one of the things that I witnessed was that these doctors go to school for a number of years and then they are you know put out into the world they open a practice and they're seeing patients But calling on some of these doctors, I really got the feeling that a lot of them were just emotionally exhausted. And in your book, you talk about oncologists being emotionally exhausted. And I can can see why, but it just seems like there's a a conflict there. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about why these people are emotionally exhausted. Look at it this way. You know, who are these people? And I've, I've known a lot of them. I know a lot of them. I belong to three medical societies. I, I've, I had friends who went into medicine. Um, for the most part, you know, it, there's always bad apples and everything, but for the most part, these are good people mm-hmm. who uh, want to help others. That, that's what they want to do. They want to help others. They want to relieve suffering. They want to heal the sick. Uh, They want to do something good with their life. Um, So the motivations are there, the good people, uh, and then they make the biggest mistake of their life, and they go to medical school. And in medical school, our medical schools are graduating scientific illiterates. They teach them absolute nonsense. 
85% of what they learn has no basis in science whatsoever. Uh, so 85% of, of medical practice has no basis in science. It doesn't work. It's very dangerous. Uh, medical treatment is the single largest cause of death in America. So here you are. You're, you're, you're this person who wants to help others and relieve suffering. And, and, uh, and then you go to school and you come out, and, and the tools that you were given are so awful that you're not able to do what you wanted to do. All you're doing is making people sick. <laughs> and, and no wonder they're not happy. No wonder they're frustrated. Uh, you know, it's, all they're doing is making people sick. And I'll tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, we got a wonderful, wonderful letter from a, from a lady doctor. And, um, and she explained that from the time she was a little girl, that she wanted to become a doctor. She wanted to heal the sick. She wanted to do good for people, uh, relieve their suffering and their pain. So she went to medical school. She became a doctor. She had practiced for 20 years. And after 20 years of practice, the light bulb finally went on, and she said, all I've done for 20 years is harm people. All I've done is harm people. I haven't done any good for 20 years. She decided to quit medicine and never practice again. Somebody gave her a copy of my book, Never Be Sick Again. She read the book, and she was so excited that she wrote us this long letter, and she said, uh, I'm going to continue to practice medicine, but I'm going to practice it your way. So um, here's, you know, they're, they're simply not given the tools uh, that to do the things that they wanted to do. Um, we graduate scientific illiterates. Um, we teach them things that have no basis in science. Um, they, they, <laughs> these good, well-motivated people come out with no tools to do anything, and, and so they get very frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the million dollar question. This is actually why we're here. What causes cancer in a scientific way? Well, uh, there's only two causes of, of disease, um, deficiency and toxicity. Um, so, um, all disease is the result of deficiency and toxicity, uh, at the cellular level. Uh, cancer is an oxygen deficiency disease. It is a deficiency of oxygen metabolism at the cellular level. And, uh, and what, when this happens, um, what happens is the cell reverts to a different way of producing energy. Uh, and when it does that, um, it isn't able to produce enough energy to do its jobs anymore. Uh, you know, cells are differentiated. They they become you know there's a, a a cell in your eye does something different than a cell in your liver and a cell in your you know so on and so forth. Um, it loses its differentiation and then the cell only has one job and that's to grow, and then it grows into a tumor. Uh, and all of this is the result of a deficiency of oxygen metabolism at the cellular level. 
Uh, and probably the single largest cause of this is the oils that you buy at the supermarket. You know, go to the supermarket, um, uh, go to the uh, to the uh, aisle where the oils are. Look at all those oils. All those oils will give you cancer. Um, and the reason is this: um, uh, cell membranes are made out of oil for the most part, and uh, and and oxygen has to pass through the cell membrane to get into the cell. When you construct the cell out of the oils that you buy at the supermarket, it inhibits the transfer of oxygen into the cell. The cell becomes oxygen deficient, and that causes cancer. These so, are these, uh, real quick because I wanted to make a distinction because a lot of people when they hear oils they think about everything is grouped because there's some you know some decent oils out there. What oils specifically? Well, you you the. The, the good oils, uh, olive oil is a very good oil, but it's very difficult to, to get. Uh, most of it's uh, horribly adulterated. Um, I, I make my own olive oil and, and sell it on my website at, at beyondhealth.com. Uh, so Beyond Health olive oil is real olive oil. Uh, flaxseed oil is very good, and, and fish oil is very good, but again, they have to be high quality. Uh, the quality has to be high, otherwise they they can do you do you harm. Um, but uh, the oils you get at the supermarket are like canola oil and sunflower and safflower and soybean and and corn oil. All of these oils are the wrong oils. And when you incorporate those into the cell membrane, you inhibit the transfer of oxygen into the cell, and then that'll give you cancer. Mm-hmm. Some ways that they even use to diagnose cancer <clears throat> aren't safe, because <laughs> a lot of times we're, you know, with mammograms, you go in and you take a, an X-ray. Um, they use CT scans. Talk a little bit about those and why they might not be mm-hmm. the best thing for you to actually do. You well, want to know if you have have a disease, but why aren't they the the best thing? Uh, ionizing radiation uh, is a cause of cancer. Uh, it's one of the, the things that we know for certain causes cancer. That's uh, ionizing radiation, which, of course, is uh, X-rays or ionizing radiation. Uh, mammograms are dangerous. We know they're dangerous. We know they cause cancer, and nobody should do them. And <laughs> yeah, But yet they do them because uh, you know, they make money off of them. Um, there's a very safe way of doing the same thing, and that's with what we call a thermogram, um, where all you do is you measure the temperature of the breast uh, so it's not invasive. You're just measuring the temperature. Um, so that's a safe way to uh, uh, to do a breast scan with a thermogram. And there are doctors around who use the thermograms. But the mammograms are, are dangerous. Um, they cause cancer. We know they cause cancer. Um, it's a fact. And so uh, don't do them. Yeah, I read something. I think I was reading something by Russell Blaylock a while back, and he was talking about even the way that they – push the breast up against the plates to actually measure them can actually cause it to, if you do have cancer, can cause it to spread. 
because of the That's way true. that they if you have if you if you do have cancer already, if you have an existing tumor, and you squash the breast the way you have to for the mammogram, uh, you can actually cause. Um, the cells to escape from the from the tumor and uh, and then go around the body and metastasize. So absolutely, if you have an existing uh, cancer in the breast, uh, uh, you can actually uh, cause that uh, to metastasize around the body just by that mechanical squeezing process. Yeah, I experienced this uh, metastasis metastasis with my mom because actually she had breast cancer and then metastasized into her liver and spread throughout her body. And at that point, and this was my first realization that once that happened, there's really nothing the medical system could do for my mom. I just saw her go completely downhill within the span of about a week. Um, When that happens, is that exactly like I said, that the medical system really does not have an answer for you at that point. That is correct. If, if your cancer has metastasized, uh, no matter what they do, your chances of survival are close to zero. Uh, and your cancer has already metastasized about 75% of the time when, when a cancer is diagnosed. Um, the only success that the medical system has is with cancers that have not yet metastasized, but they do have some success with those. Uh, But about 75% of the time they have metastasized, and once it's metastasized, literally your survival chances are zero. I mean, they're so close to zero, they're zero. Um, You will not survive. Uh, So uh, the 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 only thing you can do then is shut the production line down. Go back to what we discussed earlier. Uh, you know, the, the tumor is the result of the production line. Shut the production line down, and then everything goes away. Yeah. I want to get into some solutions a little bit later on. Um, but it seems like the catalyst to everything now, and because of our society and where we are and the readiness of a of Food, you know, we can go. I was just talking to someone about this earlier, where we can go in and just get food off the shelf. And whereas, you know, years and years ago, you had to hunt for your food or you bought it from a butcher or whatever. But it seems like the catalyst for all these diseases and things that people are suffering from are being overweight. Um, I wanted to ask you about the role of insulin and why is that that I guess, again, that catalyst, if we don't get our insulin under control, it may lead to us having a disease such as cancer. Right. That, that's absolutely correct. Um, you know, there was a, um, uh, a researcher once who was, uh, who was asked, um, you know, is there, is there a single key to disease? And, uh, uh, and the researcher came back and said, I, I don't know. Uh, but if there is a single key to disease, it's insulin. Uh, when, you, when you raise the insulin content of the blood, this causes an enormous number of biochemical reactions, absolutely enormous, an enormous number of, of, of genes are turned on, and, and your hormones are all uh, disrupted. I mean, it's, it's just it's catastrophic when you raise the insulin content of the blood. 
And that's one of the reasons why we're all sick is because we're all eating so much sugar and, uh, and so many refined grains that very quickly raise the insulin content of the blood. So most people are running around with, with high insulin uh, most of the day uh, because the insulin stays high for hours once you increase it. So um, uh, get the sugar, you know, get the sugar out of your life. I mean, somebody once uh, asked me, you know, they they were interested in doing something, but not a, not too much, <laughs> you know. So he said, you know, is there one thing I can do to improve my health? And I thought about it for a moment, and I said, if there's one thing, get the sugar out of your life. Sugar is a deadly, deadly metabolic poison. Um, you know, we've only been eating it for couple of hundred years and and most especially in the last hundred years and the last 50 years i mean it's a you know back in 1900 the average american ate 10 pounds of sugar per year today the average american eats 160 pounds of sugar a year so that's almost a half a pound a day of deadly poison Uh, and then we wonder why we're sick Uh, sugar causes or contributes to every known disease, including cancer. So if you want to be sick, eat sugar. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You talk about in the book also um, getting away from excess meat and dairy. And I wanted to ask you, because um, this seems like it's come up a a couple of times with some things that I've read and, and that I've seen where farm factory meat because the omega-3 and omega-6 ratio are kind of skewed. Is that the reason why we should kind of get rid of, or one of the reasons why we might want to get rid of excess animal protein out of our diet? That That's one of the reasons is uh, the, the fatty acid ratios are, are now abnormal, uh, not what nature intended. Um, we don't really understand it all, but I have a friend, uh, Colin Campbell, um, and Dr. Campbell wrote a book called The China Study. Uh, very, very well done research, and what he found was that if you eat animal protein in excess of what the body needs to do normal daily repairs, that this will make you sick. Uh, and the average American eats 10 times too much protein protein, and it's all animal protein, and we're all sick. Uh, So uh, we've got to cut back on on the animal protein. Now, we've we've been sold a bill of goods. You know, we've been been told you have to eat a lot of protein, and you've got to eat your meat, and you've got to have your milk, and you've got to do all that. But it's it's just, uh, it's all nonsense. It's simply not true. Um, And uh, the average American eats 10 times too much animal protein. I eat animal protein, but I, I, it's a minimum part of my diet, a minimum part of my diet. Uh, I had two eggs for breakfast this morning, for example, uh, but uh, I'm not, I won't have any animal protein for the rest of the day, and I'm certainly not going to have any animal protein tomorrow. So um, animal protein is part of my diet, but it's a minimum part of my diet, and that's, that's what it should be for everybody. Uh, and tonight I'm having some beans, so I'm getting vegetable protein. Now, you can eat as much vegetable protein as you want. It's not going to hurt you. But if you eat too much animal protein, it will hurt you, uh, and particularly dairy because um, 
you know, the 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 cow milk that that uh, that we use uh, is loaded with with hormones and chemicals, and it's just it's a toxic soup. Milk is a toxic soup, and so I don't touch the stuff. No, do not drink milk. Uh, it's a toxic soup. What's the importance of uh, essential fatty acids, Raymond? Well, the uh, we talked about earlier the uh, cell membranes. Um, you know, we're all made of these little microscopic units of life called cells, and in fact, um, uh, you know, we think of ourselves as as a as a life uh, thing. You know, we're 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 a body, we're a life. Uh, well, we really aren't. Um, these little microscopic uh, units of of life called cells. That's who we are. We started life as one cell. Uh, and that one cell was us. That was, you know, <laughs> we were one cell. That was us. And now we're trillions of cells. And um, uh, but, you know, and we think of ourselves as a body. But what we really are is a community of cells, all acting together in our behalf. And um, and the cells are made, um, you know, it's like a water balloon. The water balloon has a membrane around it, and, and the, the balloon is a latex membrane. But a cell has a membrane mostly made out of oil. And, uh, and the oils that it's made out of are essential fatty acids. Um, these are things that the body cannot make and we must get from our diet. Uh, and we must construct every new cell with these. And now you're making 10 million new cells every second, you know. Uh, you're making about 800 billion new cells every day. Well, you've got to make them out of the right oils if you want them to work right. And we are all deficient in essential fatty acids. See, more than 90% of the American population is deficient in essential fatty acids, and instead we're rich in these supermarket oils. So when you're making a new cell, what you're doing is you're making it out of those supermarket oils, and they're the wrong oils. Uh, and when you do that, the cell is going to malfunction, and you are going to be sick. And that's the problem. I mean, and, uh, you know, it's probably the single largest cause of cancer uh, is making the cell membrane out of the wrong oils and not allowing sufficient oxygen to get into the cell. Uh, so eating essential fatty acids is um, very, very important. I, uh, I have a product um, uh, that I sell called EFA formula, and EFA stands for essential fatty acids, and it's got all the, the fatty acids that the body needs right in, right in the capsule, uh, and I take that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say anti-cancer, but we're talking about cancer. I don't even like saying the word, but... <laughs> What would a diet look like to promote wellness? If if you're someone who may have had that scare, what would your diet look like to promote promote wellness? Well, first first of all, get the sugar out of your life. Sugar causes cancer, and sugar feeds cancer. So if you want cancer, eat sugar. If you have cancer and you want it to grow, eat sugar. Uh, then get the grains out of your life. You know, humans weren't designed to eat grains, but half of all the food in the world today is grains, so we'd starve without them. Uh, but cut down on the grains that you eat because they raise your insulin. Uh, they're not good for you. 
um, cut down on the amount of animal protein and cut down on the amount of uh, you know uh, don't 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 drink milk or eat dairy products uh, and then what you really need is a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, organically grown fresh fruits and vegetables, and the more the better. Uh, and then pulses like uh, beans and lentils and uh, uh, and uh, and nuts and and berries. All these things are are very very healthy, and that's what our ancestors were eating. Uh, so more and more vegetables, fresh vegetables, into your diet. Uh, you know, if you want, you you can you could actually say that cancer is a vegetable deficiency disease because if you're eating sufficient vegetables, you probably would never get cancer. Yeah, a lot of people don't even like to eat vegetables. <laughs> I got, That's right. I got they, relatives they don't. who. Yeah, I got relatives who are you know, in their 40s, 50 years of age and, and still don't like vegetables. I'm like, do they still make people like you? So, <laughs> so well, it's, we've, it's funny. We've all been brought up on, on sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been brought up on, on sugar and grains and, and we're addicted to them. And so you're so addicted and so needy uh, to get these, uh, these carbohydrates into you that the you know, vegetables just don't do it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, if you want to be healthy, you've got to change your lifestyle. You've got to change. We've radically changed our diet. I mean, where is this epidemic of chronic disease coming from? You know, in a very short period of time, very short period, we have fundamentally changed our diet. We've fundamentally changed our environment. We've fundamentally changed our lifestyle. Uh, that's where this epidemic of chronic disease is coming from. Uh, we've got to go back to eating a, a normal diet instead of the, uh, you know, the nonsense that we're eating. You know, yeah. The standard of, they've done studies on this, by the way. The standard American diet, what we're feeding to our kids, will not support healthy life in rats. Hmm. So, you know, it, we're feeding this to our kids, and it won't support healthy life in rats. So it's time to wake up, folks. And, and start changing what you do. Yeah. Um, I got about five minutes left with you, and I wanted to cover a couple of things. And this is something that I heard about in the, um, the Gerson therapy and something I started doing years ago were coffee enemas. And um, this is something that's relatively new that um, I heard, saw in your book, but I've heard about it before, and it's the uh, vitamin C flush. Talk yes. about those two things. Well, the vitamin C flush is actually superior to a coffee enema. Um, it's superior. A lot of people do, um, uh, you know, um, uh, flushes. You know, they, they do enemas and things like that of all kinds and, and, and bowel cleansing. Um, what I found in my research is that the vitamin C flush is more effective than all of them put together. Uh, and there are many reasons for that. And, and the way you do it is you, 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 you know, I pick a day. I, I, I try to do one as often as I can. You pick a day where you just start going up on vitamin C and you keep taking more and more and more until you get watery diarrhea. Um, and that's a vitamin C flush. Well, what happens is that the, um, this is enormously detoxifying. 
It pulls toxins out of the body, pulls toxins out of the liver. It pulls to, and uh, at the same time, um, it saturates the gut tissue with ascorbate and helps to calm down the inflammation in the gut tissue. Today, almost everybody has inflamed gut tissue because of our bad diet and the fact that we've taken antibiotics and uh, and vaccinations. And so it helps to calm down the, and rebuild the gut tissue uh, so that you, um, and when you do that, when you rebuild the gut tissue, if you have food allergies, most of your allergies will just go away. Um, so a lot of good things happen, and toxins that go through the leaky gut uh, won't go through the leaky gut if you've rebuilt the tissue. So the vitamin C flush is really, um, uh, you know, I wish everybody in America was doing it like once a week because uh, we'd have a whole different country uh, uh, if we did that. Uh, it would really prevent disease. Last question, and this is something that you and I talked about in person and uh, I kind of wanted to get it out into the universe, so to speak. How important is the mind when it comes to healing, especially when it comes to cancer? Because a lot of things, a lot of times when we hear that C word, it evokes a lot of fear. And when people are diagnosed, it evokes a lot of fear. I've rarely seen anyone who wasn't scared when they got a diagnosis of cancer. Exactly. How important is the mind in this whole process? It's it's everything. Uh, the mind runs your biochemistry, and uh, and every thought has a biological consequence. Most people don't know that. We we think we we have thoughts. You know, we have that. every single thought has a biological consequence of one kind or another. And, uh, and we've done studies. We know that negative thoughts, uh, and such as fear, uh, has a negative effect on your health, and that positive thoughts of love and caring and, and, uh, and, and optimism, all of these good thoughts have a positive effect on your body chemistry. Uh, so your mind can, have, uh, can, can make you sick. Your mind can make you well. Uh, your mind can do miracles. Uh, we actually know that people have changed their genetic code with their mind. I mean, this is, you know, amazing. You can change your genetic code with your mind. Uh, that's how powerful it is. And we're not using that power. We're not taught to use it. Um, our doctors don't even recognize it. Uh, and we need, to, we need to start recognizing it. We need to start using it uh, because it can do so much good for us. Yeah, I agree. I think that, like you said, the mind is everything. A lot of people, for some odd reason, people out here have healthy bodies, but their minds are not healthy. So um, I definitely agree with you on that. Raymond, it's been a pleasure. I always enjoy having you on. I enjoyed meeting you on in per- meeting you in person. And your book is called Never Fear Cancer Again. It's located on Amazon. I've had Raymond on the show for those out there who are listening or will be listening through iTunes and other uh, modalities three times and I would advise you or recommend to you. I don't like to advise people because people get a little offended, but, but recommend that you go back and listen to the very first show, never be sick again. And then I had him on for the great American health hoax. And then his third book. And I believe he has another book that he's going to come on and he's going to discuss, but your site is called beyond And you can go there 
And um, speaking to you, you are a biochemist by nature, and your supplements are really high quality. And uh, I'm yes. going to be, yeah, I'm going to be really putting my hat into the arena and starting to recommend more products because uh, there's some things that I've been approached with that they weren't what I want up the par. And if I'm going to put my name behind anything, it's going to be the best top quality. So I'm going to be working with Raymond to, to bring you these things. Well, most, most multivitamins don't work. It's as simple as that. Uh, I make the Beyond Health brand that I personally designs and I personally take. It's some of the highest quality vitamins in the entire world. So you can't go wrong when you're when you're taking Beyond Health, and and you can find it at BeyondHealth.com. Yep, and your book again is located on Amazon, and I, I would think other media outlets where people normally order books. Indeed. Yep, Raymond. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, man. And I'm sure we'll, we'll do it again in the future. <laughs> All right. All I'm right. looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a good evening. All right. Never fear cancer again. I love that show. And hopefully these shows are helping each and every one of you. If you know someone who just recently had a cancer diagnosis, do them a favor and share the show with them or Order them a book. You can order a book from Amazon, and you can send it to them. I know a lot of people out there awakening and looking for alternative means to kind of maybe get themselves in a state to where they are well. And um, one of those things that you need to do is to start educating yourself. For me, I, I'm not an advocate of telling you what to do. But I know that a lot of people aren't aware of the options. If you prefer to go the medical way, you can go the medical way. If you want to do alternative ways, you can do alternative ways. But what I would say is that's very important is to line up with your decision. Whatever you choose to do, line up with that decision and go for it full blast and use the power of your mind. You have that power. You can heal anything with just virtually the power of your mind. And sometimes we give that power away to other things. So thanks for listening tonight. If you have someone that you want to see on the show, or if you have something that you need to ask me, you can reach me at perfectly healthy and tone radio at gmail.com. Again, that's perfectly healthy and tone radio at gmail.com. And next week we'll be talking about Hashimoto's thyroiditis, autoimmune thyroid and thyroid problems in general. And we'll have a woman on who spent a greater part of her adult life just researching on the thyroid because she had some problems. So we'll be talking again more about the thyroid and getting some answers on the thyroid. So again, thanks for listening. Peace and love y'all. Good night.